The, the book of Romans has some uh, really cool stuff in it. I'm looking at Romans 3.19. Turn to Romans. Alright, stop greeting each other. This is serious. <laughs> Just kidding. It's important to greet each other. Romans uh, 3, verse 19 is uh, where I want to start today. We're talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about the law today. And this passage has something to say about the purpose of the law. So we're in Romans 3. It's 19 starts off with, uh, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And then verse 20. It's highlighted in my Bible. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So the purpose of the law, some could argue, it's right here. It's, it's for the purpose of um, convicting us of sin, that we might become conscious of sin. And then it talks about another righteousness. Verse 21 says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Through this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all that believe. And then a famous verse, there's no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's good, right? It's good. All right, let's pray this morning. Father, we do thank you right now. We thank you for the Old Testament, for your law that you've given us, your, your handbook of, of life, the Bible that's been given to us. And Father, we praise you for it. Would you help us understand the, the Old Testament, help us understand the law that you've given us in Genesis through Deuteronomy. Father, we love you and we give you praise and all honor. And everybody screamed? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to I start with a uh, quick story of when I was... Uh, I mean, if, you're, if your Christian life is anything like mine, you've probably lived your life in Christian life and maybe you've gone through stages. I remember becoming a Christian in high school was a huge stage, probably the biggest stage for me in my Christian walk, becoming a Christian, giving my life to Jesus in high school. And then uh, going to seminary was probably another step or a big stage in my Christian walk. Becoming a pastor here at New Life was another big stage of my Christian walk. Um, But looking back before I was a pastor here, I spent a summer in Florida and I visited a friend in Florida. I went to this uh, charismatic church and I was totally unaware of charismatic stuff before I went to this church. And for the first time learned about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I learned about prophecy. I learned about, I mean, to be honest, I learned about just prayer as in like before I went to this church, the only prayer that I was um, kind of did was just before meals and prayer for like five minutes. But at this church, I learned about extended prayer and seeking God and listening to God. And it was a really good summer. I was there for like uh, a whole summer, like a month and a half. And uh, it was a really good time spiritually for me and opened my eyes to a new way of spirituality and living my Christian life. And then I remember from there coming back to, uh, at the time I was living in Utah, coming back to the same church that I was going to. And I went through a really weird stage of my life. I went through kind of a very legalistic stage of my life. I grew uh, a sweet beard. I had this like big beard. People knew me as Weird Joe. It's like, oh, Joe or Weird Joe. It's like I was the Weird Joe. And uh, 
Um, I went into a very, like, in a legalistic way. There, there's some good things in legalism. <laughs> um, at least, like, making rules for yourself and living by those rules. I remember I uh, made a bunch of rules for myself. Like, I went into, like, this minimalistic uh, st- I gave away tons of stuff. I sold lots, uh, lots of things that I had. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a computer. Um, I bought a whole bunch of black t-shirts and khaki pants. And every day I wore black t-shirt and khaki pants. So I had like 10 t-shirts. So I do laundry like every 10 days or so. And I wore like this. I was very, I mean, everybody say that's a little weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, I know. Thank you. And, and I don't know why I did that. It was like minimalistic and uh, I did a lot of fasting, which was actually pretty cool. Uh, a lot of spiritual fasting and fasting of food. Over uh, After I got back from Florida, over the course of about six months, I lost 40 pounds. Um, it was, I mean, it was, it was quite a bit of fasting, quite a bit of prayer. There was this tree that I would go to. I'd drive my car to and walk, and then there was like this cliff that overlooked this valley. And I'd sit there, and I'd play guitar, um, and I'd pray. And I would spend hours there. Sometimes I, I would pray and then the evening would come and in darkness and I'd just fall asleep there and then wake up in the morning and continue praying at the sunrise. And it was a really cool time spiritually in my life, having come from the spiritual high of my trip, my charismatic um, experience in Florida and then to back to where I was from. And uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, I had all these rules for myself that in some ways gave me a lot of... Um, just a closer, like I had rules about like when I was going to pray and I had rules about I have to read the Bible so much per day and I didn't date during this time. I, I just, there was a lot of just minimalistic um, tendencies I had. Plus the beard was sweet and everybody thought I was really spiritual. And, uh, and so, and so it was the stage. And so I, I obeyed all these rules in my life and there was good in the obeying of these rules that I made for myself and very simple lifestyle. But at the same time, um, I, I became legalistic in my way of judging other people that didn't adhere to like my standards, my little rules that I was making for myself. And I remember uh, going to this church, being a part of their college ministry back in the day. There was this girl that just bought a sweet car. It wasn't really that sweet. It was like a, a Volkswagen Bug, like the new ones when they came out. She bought a Volkswagen Bug. And I remember having a conversation with her where I just ripped her apart for buying this car. I'm like, why didn't, you could have just kept the same car you had. Why didn't you, why'd you buy this new car? You could have given that money to the poor. And it's like, here's this girl that just bought this new car. She's all happy about it. And I'm like, <laughs> spiritually rebuking her for it. Um, and then, and then there was another incident where our college group had like a Christmas party and we met at the mall and we had this little gift exchange, like secret Santa thing. And then we were all going to go see a movie. But in me and my rules, I didn't watch any movie and I didn't watch any secular, listen to any secular music, had all these rules about, um, not going to see movies and how wrong movies were. And, uh, so my college group, the, the church I was part of, uh, had their little Christmas thing, their gift exchange, and then they were going to go watch the family-friendly movie, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. But, uh, I mean, it's just like a nice little movie, right? But I, like, came to the gift exchange, gave my gifts away, and then, like, made this speech about how I was not going to go to the movie and how if you're a real Christian, you wouldn't go to the movie either. You'd come with me, and we were going to go back to the church and pray. And everyone was just like, dude, this guy's so weird. <laughs> But I remember in that time, in my life, in that time of following all these weird little rules, 
there was some good, and I did live, uh, I did open up my life to a very righteous living in that time. But at the same time, the negative side of that was, was legalism and kind of rebuking other people for not living according to my rules that I had made up. So uh, today we're going to talk about the Torah, the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible. Um, and so we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But before we do that, how about some announcements? Do you like announcements? course you do. Uh, the first one is that next week is uh, Resurrection Sunday. Some people call it Easter. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday. Um, so next week is uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday. The, the service times for main church are at 8, 10, and 12. So they're, they're a little different so that we can have more services to accommodate for lots of people that will be here celebrating Easter with us. And so uh, we are keeping Sunday school at the exact same time. Everybody got that? Sunday school, the exact same time. So you can choose to go to the early service, the 8 a.m. service, get here at the crack of dawn, and uh, get here at the 8 service, and then a service will end, and you'll have to rush right over here to come to Sunday school. Or you can come to Sunday school like you usually do, but you'll have some extra time between now, uh, between the, the two services. So we'll, we'll, brew, we'll brew some extra coffee and have some extra food next week for Resurrection Sunday. Sound good? So don't be confused. Same exact time, Sunday school. Uh, the other announcement is, uh, is more about like how to get involved around here. And, and Sunday school, the purpose of Sunday school is training. And not just for training's sake, but training spiritually and mentally and, and loving God with our mind so that we can serve the, the bigger community of God. And there's lots of ways to do that. There's, there's Mill Sunday school leadership team in which you could just you could serve. And then there's, uh, I'm going to have Jared Newman come up and give us a announcement about middle schoolers and helping middle schoolers because middle schoolers are cool, aren't they? They are. Uh, so this is Jared Newman and middle schoolers, their, their, their parents make their parents drag them here, but it's, it's when they're in middle school that they have to like decide whether or not they're really going to believe. And so uh, we have an opportunity to help Jared. He is our middle school pastor. Did you know that? Jared Newman. He's, he's really cool. So, Jared, t- tell us about middle schoolers. Right on, right on. Hey, uh, I want to tell you about some stuff that we've got coming up this summer. I know, uh, I know many of you guys are involved in all sorts of things. But uh, I just want to give you a couple. Like 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 is a big scripture for me. It's where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And the idea there is, you know, Jesus, when he came to his disciples, he asked them to follow him. You know, he said, follow me and I'll make you something. I'll make you fishers of men. And you see that kind of mindset reproduced in other people. And I, you know, I want to challenge you in the thought of, you know, I don't know that you're really a disciple until you make a disciple. Um, Because there's something that goes into when you're making somebody else a disciple, making somebody else a follower of God. You know, rather than just being a consumer and like, here, make me, make me, continue to invest in me. There's something that happens in you. And it's kind of like I've heard it said too in teachers, when you teach something, it's like you don't really know something until you teach it. Like when you have to teach it, uh, you learn it so much more. So some of you guys that have kind of grown up in the church and you've grown up, but you haven't really reproduced it or you haven't really had an opportunity really to pour into somebody else, this would be a great opportunity for you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to present uh, just an idea for the summertime, but there is always ongoing kind of ability to connect and commit with uh, junior high and high school ministry. It's called TAG, Around New Life. But uh, 
It's an incredible ministry, young people that are passionate for God. Um, but here, here's some of the things. I'm looking for a couple people, and really I know that this is kind of exclusive because I know that many of you guys have things that either time frame would eliminate you from this. But I do want to present the idea to everybody. Man, serve somebody. Go and make disciples. That's the com- great commission. That's what's been given to us. And here's a great opportunity. You know, when we, when we talk about middle school, uh, I want you to see this. Like, I almost see middle school ministry as you've got this huge open window where they're accepting everything. They, I mean, you can, you can talk to them about everything, and they're, they're kind of looking for outside people to kind of tell them what they should do with their life and how they should spend life. Kind of as you get older, that window kind of closes. So when you talk to adults, if you're not talking exactly to them the way that they want to hear it, they're like, oh, who cares? Whatever, you know. But like middle school kids, like, who is this guy? He's, you know, and it's, they're fascinated by it. And you can watch a sixth grade kid come in, and you can see, man, this is an open book. This is somebody that I can, that I can really invest into and make a difference in. And then almost by the time they're done, by, that, by their eighth grade year with middle school, you can look at an eighth grade and you can say, I know what track this kid's on. I can tell if this kid is going to be sleeping around in high school. I can tell if this kid's going to be caught up in partying and drinking. And, you know, because you have this window of time where you can really invest in somebody. We run a program in the summer for both young men and women called Man Time and Girl Time. And it's really developing the idea of them becoming men and women of God. And it's investing in them. It's incredibly challenging. Uh, man time is incredibly physically challenging, spiritually challenging. We put, we put a lot of pressure on them. And uh, it's a great program. We have kids throwing up every day because you know, we're making them run. And, everything. and it's, just, it's a great time to, for you guys as leaders to invest in them. Now, the fun part about this is we make the leaders do all the same stuff with the kids. We, we kind of have a 30 and under. Is They get to be like mentoring with the students. And then we ask some of the older men from the church to come and invest and, to, and impart like what it means to be a man of God or what it means to be a woman of God. So kind of the younger people, like we do have some of our leaders that are throwing up and there's times <laughs> where you run and it's like, oh my gosh. So, uh, you know, it, it is a difficult program. It's it, We run it on Monday and Thursday mornings uh, through the course of June and July, so it's an eight-week program. Run it on Monday and Thursday mornings, 9 to noon. If by any chance that that works with your schedule, you'd have some interest, I'd love for you to call the TAG offices. I need, I need some guys. Basically, you're going to run a team where if you're running a man-time team, you're with about 8 to 10 guys, and you're going to be running up things like the incline, up mountain. A, a mute point, and that our faith comes from the inside out. Um, but in the Old Testament, there were restrictions and laws, and... I think part of the purpose, point one, the purpose is to make holy. And we can still have rules, and rules can help us be holy. I know a lot of guys that uh, struggle with looking at things on the Internet. And so they've made a rule in their life. I'm not going to have the Internet in my room by myself. I'm going to put my computer out in the living room where other people are, and I won't be as easily tempted. That's a rule that they've made for themselves, and that rule helps them be holy. That rule helps them be righteous. I know other people that have made rules for themselves and say, you know what, I'm tempted by alcohol, and so I've made a rule for myself to not, either to not drink at all or not to be to go to parties or places where there's going to be alcohol because they know they'll be tempted. So they've made a rule for themselves that helps them be righteous and holy. And there is a purpose of the law in helping us be righteous and holy and clean and set apart. But the other purpose of the, of the law is, is what I want to spend some time on now is to point out our sin. And so do you see how those two points are like opposite? At least in my thing, it's like, okay, the purpose of the law is to make us holy. And the purpose of the law is also to point out our sin. What's the deal, right? And so here's, here's the deal. Turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. 
And the Hebrews is a New Testament book, so it'll be found in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10 is a, Hebrews is the book written to uh, it's written to the Hebrews. The Hebrews are uh, Hebraic people, aka the Israelites, aka the Jews. Um, and so the book of Hebrews is a New Testament book written to people following the Jewish ways, people following the Old Testament ways, maybe uh, following all the rules and restrictions uh, listed in the Torah. And Hebrews 10, uh, I'm looking at chapter 10, verse 16. The author of Hebrews quotes an Old Testament book. So if you're a Jew believing in the Old Testament and someone quotes the Old Testament to you, would you listen? Of course you would. You know, you believe that the Old Testament's from God. So verse 16 says, um, it starts off, he's quoting Jeremiah. So the author of Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah. It's actually Jeremiah 31 that he's quoting. And it says this, it says, this is the covenant I will make with them. God is saying, I will make a new covenant. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts. You see that? That God will put the law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. So the book of Hebrews, written to the Israelite people to, to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to them, is quoting Jeremiah 31, saying, in the Old Testament it says that a new law is coming. And this new law will be a law that is written on their hearts. You won't have to go to the Torah and say, is it okay for me to eat this bug? Is it okay for me to uh, touch this roadkill? No, you don't even need to go to the Old Testament to know what's right. God will write the law on your hearts and you'll know it and you'll, it'll be written in your mind. And so nowadays we are living in a time when the law is written on our hearts. It's written in our minds and we know what is right and wrong because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And we don't need to, for each and every little specific thing, we don't need to turn to the Bible and say, oh, is it okay for me to eat this bacon? Oh, looks like I can't eat it because it says this here. Like, just pray about it. <laughs> Bacon's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's, what's, it's what's the words of Jesus. It's what's inside of you that makes you clean, not what you put into your body that makes you clean. It's what comes out of your body, what the words and, and the things that you say and the things that you do that makes you clean or not clean. And I like the words of Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount because Jesus takes many of the Old Testament laws and he twists them he, in, a, in a good way. He twists them and makes them um, a lot more convicting. He says, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, right? Do you know these words in the, in the, in the, in the Sermon of the Mount? And Jesus says, you know, Jesus says, do not commit murder. You've heard it said, do not commit murder. You could turn to the, you know, the Ten Commandments and find that commandment that says, do not commit murder. But then Jesus says, but I tell you, anyone that hates his brother is guilty of this sin. And so you can imagine someone like, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. And you have this checkbox in your life and you're like, yeah, I haven't committed murder. I guess I'm okay with God. And then Jesus says, but anyone who's hated their brother is guilty of this sin. You're like, ooh, erase that check I just made. And then you've, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. And you're like, yep, haven't done that one. And, but Jesus says, anyone that's looked at someone lustfully has committed adultery with them. And you're like, ooh, man. I guess I'm guilty of that. And so what Jesus, what Jesus is doing with the law is he's upping the bar. You've heard it said, don't commit murder. And so if you haven't murdered anybody, you're like, check. I guess I'm good with God. But Jesus says, if you've hated your brother or sister, you've committed murder. It's like, ooh, I guess I'm guilty of that one. And so the bar is raised with the law. So as you look at the law, as you look at these lists of rules, 
um, they're not, it's not a checklist to say, yeah, I haven't done any of them, haven't done any of these sins, so I guess I'm okay with God. The point of the law is to point out our sin so that we can have a righteousness that is given through Jesus. So if you've ever broken any rule in your life, you can look at that rule and, and say, you know what, I've, I've messed up, I've, I've broken this rule, but I guess God, God is powerful enough to forgive me of my sins if I bring my sin to him. And so the purpose of the law is to point out our sin. Uh, I just want to close with this, this story of, it actually kind of goes back to where I started with when the story of when I was in uh, Florida for a summer. And I met a guy there who was just visiting this church that w- believed in uh, perfectionism. Do you know what that is? It's a theology of perfectionism that says um, that you can be perfect as a Christian. He was an extreme perfectionist. And I think there's some legitimacy to saying that through Jesus Christ, after you become a Christian, you can have perfection living inside of you to help you avoid sin. And you don't have to be a slave to sin. You could be a slave to righteousness. You could avoid sin, right? And so we don't have to sin. But I met this guy that was an extreme perfectionist and he was going on and on about how if you sin, then you lose your salvation. Every time you sin, you lose your salvation and have to re-say the sinner's prayer. And I was like, I don't know if I believe that. And he was like, why not? And he was, he, was go, he was getting argumentative with me and going on and on, kind of getting angry with me. And uh, I was like, well, I just don't think that, you know, if you get salvation, but not by works, then why would you lose it by works? You know, your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. He's like, no, every time you sin, you lose your salvation. And he was getting, he's getting kind of angry with me. And he said, at one point, he said, I have not sinned in the last four years. And I was like, whoa. He's like, really? And he's like, yeah, you haven't sinned in the last four years. And, I, and when someone says something like that, I kind of want to challenge them. If you know me, you know that I kind of like to get on people's nerves sometimes. Ask my wife. <laughs> um, and so I started asking him, so you haven't sinned at all in the last four years? It's like you haven't, you know, Jesus said if you just hated your brother, uh, then you co- you've, you've committed the sin of murder because you've hated them. He's like, yep, I haven't committed that one in the last four years. And I was like, what about lust? You haven't lusted? And I was like, look at that girl over there. She's pretty hot, huh? He's like, no, not going to look. I haven't sinned in the last four years. And so he's, he's like, he's got this record in his head and his, in his heart that says, I haven't sinned in the last four years. I'm going through all these various sins. And he's like, yep, I haven't committed that one. I haven't committed that one. I haven't committed that one. And he started getting really mad at me. And he's like, why can't you understand that I just haven't sinned in the last four years? And, and we're both starting to get a little heated. And it's like, I can't believe it because... Because you're a clown. You, you don't know what you're doing. And he finally just exploded. And he said, who the H-E double hockey sticks do you think you are? And he didn't say H-E double hockey sticks. He said the H word. And so here's this guy that's like so, I've gotten him so mad that he's cussing at me. And then, and then of course, I just take it up another notch. And I'm like, well, I guess you better go uh, repent of that sin of swearing. <laughs> And he was just so mad at me. And he had this, and in, in, in reviewing that conversation in my head, I was thinking, yeah, I probably shouldn't have got this Christian so mad that he cussed at me. And it, was, it wasn't right of me to do that. But it, as I thought about that conversation, I thought, here's this guy that, that is, has this record. Has this, I haven't sinned in the last four years. And he's looking at the law, looking at rules and saying, I haven't committed these sins and I've kept these, these righteous requirements. And, and that's not how we're supposed to live our Christian lives. We're not supposed to have this record of, oh, I haven't sinned in, in so long. Because this guy, in thinking of this, uh, you know, this conversation I have with this guy, this guy was you know, looking at the law and saying, I measure up. I'm good enough for God. 
And that's not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to look at it and say, you know what, I've, I've been mad at somebody before. I've, I've lusted before. I've, I've done this and that. And I'm not good enough on my own to make it. I'm not perfect. I need God. I need him to forgive me of my sins. I'm not good enough. And so that is the purpose of the law. Do you see it? To make us holy. There's legitimate um, purpose in obeying rules to be holy and to be made righteous. But at the same time, it's to point out our own sin and to ask forgiveness for God so that he can make us righteous from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you right now and we, we thank you for, for your life inside of us, that you make us holy despite our mistakes, that we can look at the Old Testament and all these laws, 613 of them, and so many of them we've broken, so many of them we haven't lived up to your standard. But God, there, you, you've provided us a way to to become perfect before you. And that's your son, Jesus Christ. And so God, we accept your son. We accept your forgiveness. We accept your sacrifice for our sins so that we can be made righteous and pure from the inside out. So God, we leave here um, glorifying your name, excited that we worship a God who allows us perfection and freedom from sin because of you inside of us. And so God, we do love you and praise you. And everybody said... Amen.